0: Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the wor- that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead yet speaks. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek them.
1: Pretty soon, I'm going to have to be carried up to the platform. <laughs> I'm looking for that day. Six men coming down the aisle. <laughs> my wife, when I drug myself out of bed this morning, went out to have a little sustenance, my wife said, are you ready to preach? I didn't say it, but I thought in my mind... I've been ready since I was saved (laughs) to come and preach the word of the Lord. Now, whenever I get up, and especially as time goes by, since my current condition is as it is, and my age is as it is, um, I never know if I'm going to speak again, so I decided that I wanted to speak on one of the... You know, something simple this morning, something very basic. The meaning and purpose of the universe. (laughs) This is just one of the subjects that scientists and philosophers and theologians and the general public have discussed and debated and contemplated for generations. So I thought we might as well address it this morning. What is the purpose of life? Why do you and I exist? For what matter, as as, as we might consider, why does anything exist? We ought to be able to solve that subject in about 30 minutes. (laughs) So I thought I'd just deal with a very simple subject this morning. Now to do this, I first of all would like to have us turn our attention to Revelation. The book of Revelation, verse 11. And uh, it's interesting that uh, in, the, in the scriptures we have this statement by that chorus in heaven, singing to the Lord and giving an answer to this basic question. Why does anything, why does everything exist? Why do you exist? Why do I exist? And it answers the question. In the King James Version it reads, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. Now notice this last statement, and for thy pleasure they are and were Created. That's the answer to the question. In the New Living Translation, it reads, You created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Interesting. Now, many of the newer translations, which I'm sure a lot of you have before you, You'll notice that it uses, uh, in place of the word pleasure, it uses the word for will. Because of God's will, all things exist and were created. So we have a linkage here. We have a connection between the desire of God and the decrees of God. It's an interesting and very important connection. What God wants in the sense of what he desires, in many cases may be even more significant than what God decrees. It may be more important for us to be seeking what God wants, or we could say his pleasure, more than it is the, I guess you'd say the popular concept of his will relating to decrees or demands. And we see in Revelation 4.11, there is a distinct linkage then between God's will and that which pleases God. That's why in the, the, the scriptures we have this expression in Revelation 4.11. The word "thalema" is, a, is the word that's used. It's used some 64 times in the New Testament. And it's a word that is most often translated by the simple word will, as in The will of God. It's a word that speaks of choice or purpose. A decree. But it also carries within it the concept of God's desire or pleasure. It is his will. It is his pleasure. That is the basic reason why anything exists. For his pleasure. All things are present tense and were created. Everything exists for his pleasure. Now in considering uh, this subject I'm going to have us probably focus just on one major verse this morning. Uh, I uh, have been thinking about this verse and I'm not sure why I have some Thoughts as to why this verse has come to my mind so many times over the last months. But I thought this would be a good good verse for us to consider. And it's found in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 11. It has to do with this basic purpose for the existence of everything. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. As we've seen, Revelation 5, 11 says, For the pleasure of God, the will of God, the desire of God, what God wants, everything exists. That's the answer. Now, we find in Hebrews eleven six these words. Without faith, it is impossible... To please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So you'll see in the outline. I I gave you something this morning that you can follow along with. If you don't want to follow my outline, just turn it over and draw a picture. But there are four points that I want us to consider this morning from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Actually, I'm kind of sneaking in verse 5 as well. And then is the example of pleasing God. That's the first thing. The essential to pleasing God. The elements for pleasing God. And then finally, the eagerness of pleasing God. Fundamental to all four of these considerations is the overarching theme of Hebrews 11. And those of you who have been Bible students for a while, you know that the overarching theme of Hebrews 11 is what? Faith. It starts out, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It ends with this expression, these were all commended for their faith. And in between we have this honor roll of heroes of faith and one of those heroes of faith is referred to in verses five and six a fellow by the name of Enoch now we don't know much about Enoch he is the example of faith in relationship to pleasing God that's the first point in the outline he's the example uh, he's only referred to four times in the Bible Uh, the main reference of our first reference is in Genesis 5 that talks about him and then we have reference in Luke 3 and in the book of Jude and in this verse in Hebrews 11 so uh, we don't know a whole lot about him we know for instance we're told in the book of Jude it uses this expression he was the the seventh from Adam so he he's lived a long time ago I'd say he was the seventh from Adam and you can read that in Jude uh, the book of Jude in Luke chapter 3 and in Genesis chapter 5 it uses this expression or makes note of the fact that Enoch was the father of Methuselah so that brings him back a long way he uh, Methuselah, of course, we always like to refer to him as the oldest man referred to in the Bible. Maybe the oldest man ever, old Methuselah, and his father was Enoch. So that's the person that's being talked about. It. This is the person that's used as an example for us. Consider the subject of the reason for for the universe, reason for the cosmos. Why do they have all those billions of galaxies out there? And why are there ants? And why are you here? And why am I here? According to the pleasure and will of God. So Enoch is example of this concept. We also have in Genesis 5 and verse 24 the expression that Enoch walked with God. First time that expression is used in the Bible. He walked with God. I don't know. I've I've had a lot of of, uh, thoughts as to what you might put on my, what Ruth might put on my gravestone. Like, It's finally over or uh, hurry up or something like that. But wouldn't it be a marvelous testimony to say he walked with God? I've known some men and women over my years, a few years. And there are some that come to mind immediately when I hear that term. He or she walked with God. Well, that's what's said about um, this man, Enoch. He walked with God. And this has to do with a close fellowship with God. And then it says, in one of the translations in particular, the New Living Translation, it says that Enoch walked in close fellowship with God, and then one day he disappeared. <laughs> I think the king says he walked with God and then he's something like he was not, you know. Uh, it's sort of the idea he just disappeared. Maybe that will be said of a lot of us at the rapture. When the rapture occurs, they say, oh, Scott, he walked with God. And then one day he disappeared. <laughs> and maybe that will be said of many of us. But he walked with God, and then one day he disappeared because God took him. And then we come to Hebrews eleven six, 6, that says, or 5 rather, that says, By faith, Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. That's the way one translation puts it. He disappeared because God took him, for before he was taken up, He was known as a person who pleased God. That's what it means to walk with God. To please him. And when we please him, we fulfill the very reason why God created everything. The answer to the universe's existence. The pleasure of God. So we find a connection between walking with God and pleasing God in respect to Enoch as an example of faith. And what this, with this in mind, let's go to the second point. I always like to move on to the second point. Uh, that's why I like to have an outline so that you know that we actually have an intention of going somewhere. <laughs> and eventually concluding somewhere. But from Enoch as an example, we go on to what might be called the, uh, the uh, essential faith, uh, of faith in relationship to pleasing God. If the reason why everything exists is because of the will and pleasure of God, then we ought to ask the question, what is necessary to please him? Enoch pleased him, and because he pleased him, we're told God took him one day. All of a sudden, where's Enoch? Enoch. He was gone because he pleased God. He lived up to his purpose for being created. So there's an essential that is spoken of here very clearly in the very first statement of Hebrews 11, 6, our primary verse this morning. Note what the essential is. Uh, <clears throat> these points are not only for the purpose of making progress, but these points are there to make a... A point. And this point is that it says in Hebrews eleven six: 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Wow. Do you ever stop to think about that? I've been thinking about, like I said, for some reason God has put this verse on my heart for months now. Uh, and to go through each of these words and each of these concepts... The challenge I had in coming up with this message this morning is, what am I not going to say? There's so much to be said. But the first thing is, without faith, it's impossible. Now, the word impossible here, uh, the word that's translated impossible, is a negated form of the word for power. It's actually the word, interestingly enough, uh, that we use, uh, that was used, To name this invention by Alfred Nobel, Nobel, dynamite, dunamis is the original word, and it's negated by saying uh, no power. Literally, it means completely without any power. It means absolutely without any possibility. It means having no dynamic or ability at all. Have you ever felt that way? I have on a few occasions where uh, maybe I've been extra tired or I've exercised, that was a long time ago, I exercised so much that I couldn't even lift my arms. It's just, impossible, I am just so weak I had to sit down. Now it doesn't come from exercise, it comes from living. I just have to sit down, but the meaning That faith is absolutely the essential key to fulfilling our very reason for being. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without pleasing God, it is impossible for us to fulfill the reason for our existence. That would make it a pretty important subject, wouldn't you think? Faith. So I thought as I was preparing this message over the last few months in particular, and really in some respect throughout my whole Christian life, what is faith? Now we could spend, of course, a lot of time just on the subject, but I want to just emphasize three vital components of faith this morning in asking our question, what's included in faith? First of all, Of course, belief or faith involves intellectual affirmation of something. If I were to say to you, do you believe me? Do you believe me? For the most part, your response would be in relationship to uh, affirming the information that I've just given. Uh, It would be an intellectual affirmation or confirmation of what I've said. Yeah, I believe you, or if you don't believe me, you'd be rejecting intellectually what has been presented. So that's one of the, as a matter of fact, the reason I mention that is because oftentimes we are, uh, we're inclined to make that the principal aspect of faith. Having an intellectual affirmation of truth. That's only part of the picture. That's only part of what it's talking about here when it says without faith. It's impossible to please God to live up to the reason why you are here and I'm here. It does involve intellectual affirmation, but it involves other aspects as well. For instance, it also involves what we call willing acceptance. One of the synonyms for faith is trust. Trusting, you know, in the sense of accepting something. You can affirm something intellectually, but faith also requires or demands that you willfully accept it. Do you believe me? Um, Yeah, I guess so. Well, then do you accept it? So you have the, the process of willing affirmation, but also the idea of willful acceptance. But then there's a third. And that I've called emotive activation or emotive action. See, we're talking about those three elements of what you and I are personally in our spirit, in our soul. We have intellect. We have emotion. We have will. All three of those components are included, I believe, in this expression, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now I was thinking, how could we link those two together? I've got to watch my time here because I've only got about an hour left. (laughs) When I was in the process, I I used to say when I was young and growing up, uh, in the process of growing up, in Omaha, Nebraska. That place is hardly ever referred to except in uh, the history of D-Day. And then it's a beach instead of a city. But I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, actually, as many of you know, Carter Lake, Iowa, which is an integral part of Omaha, Nebraska. Anyway, we used to go out in the summertime to Peony Park. It was on the edge of town, we thought. You had to transfer several buses and you could get out of there. And they had a beautiful, I guess you'd call it a, almost a private lake there with a beach. Wasn't really a swimming pool, but it was a huge swimming area, a man-made swimming area and had sandy beach and so forth. And we used to go out there, spend a whole day at Peony Park, uh, frolicking in the water. And at Peony Park, as in many places that maybe you're familiar with, there was a high dive platform. I don't know how high it was. I think it was 5,048 feet high. <laughs> in my mind, at least. Somehow that came to my mind in regard to understanding this this concept of faith. Do you believe me? Uh, the idea of uh, someone coming up to me as I was laying at Peony Park Beach and looking up at that... People, the people jumping off of that, boom, boom, you know, off of that high dive board, someone comes up to me and says, do you believe you could dive off of that board? Now, in my response, I could simply say, yeah, I believe that you could, I could dive off that board. Because I've seen people do it intellectually I know I've processed the information I've seen little kids go up there go you know and hit the water and then they run to the go up boom and hit I believe that I could jump from that high dive well that's the intellectual dimension of faith a lot of people that's about as far as they go in their understanding of the concept without faith it's impossible to please God. But you have to add to that this idea of a willing um, acceptance of it in the sense of saying, do you believe that you can jump off that board? Sure I do. And you start off and I start climbing the ladder. There is a willing affirmation, if you will, or acceptance of the possibility but when it comes to a motive action, and I've, see, I've seen this in my mind, and I think I've even experienced in reality, my belief went as far as the intellect and even the will. But I got to the top of that tower, and I looked over the edge, and indeed, it was 5,000 feet tall. <laughs> I've seen it happen on the little kid, goes, I can do that, gets up to the top, or some adult, it doesn't have to be a kid, and looks over the top, and they beat it down that ladder about as fast as they can. Action. Scripture uh, uh, talks, this about, talks about it in the sense of the obedience of faith. Intellectually, willfully, and emotionally. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we are making practice. This, that's how faith is fully actualized in our life. Now, we're applying it not to just diving from a high dive board. We're talking about faith in relationship to God. Sometimes, well not sometimes. It involves an intellectual concept process. It also involves an act of will, and it surely must involve a, uh, an action of our emotion, of our just, you know, getting to the top of that board and running and closing our eyes if we have to, but we just whoosh, push, you know, throw ourselves out into the wind and into the air and into nothing. With the understanding that there's something there to take care of us. Well, that brings us to point three. See, we are making progress. And that is the elements of faith in pleasing God. The essential of faith in pleasing God is absolute. It's impossible to please God without faith. So there are two essentials that are spoken of in Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone, and everyone for that matter, anyone who comes to God must what? Must believe that he is and that he rewards. That's very simple. I've kind of thought of it over the last weeks and months. I've I've tried to reduce this to these two concepts. Two essential elements of faith. That to please God, we must have faith. And we must have faith in his presence and in his providence. Okay? Coming to God first requires belief that he is. I like to think of this simply. I don't know if this is a word. Probably not. I make up words once in a while the isness of God that he is that's what he says that's the first thing you need to believe is that he is the first two references to the presence of God in the Bible are in Genesis 3 8 and Genesis four sixteen. one of them has to do with uh uh with uh, Adam and Eve hearing the voice of the Lord walking in the garden and uh, and uh, they at the end of it says that uh, they uh, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord what a silly thing to think suppose I went down there and I hid under that pew and said I'm hiding from God and it's like a little kid playing hide and seek. They're, I mean, you can see their feet or you can, you know, you can, and uh, sometimes they even go, you know, make a little noise so you can find them. They're not hidden in the truest sense or in the visible sense. But Adam and Eve's the very first thing is they hid themselves from the presence of God. The other reference is concerning Cain when he said he went out from we're told he went out from the presence of the Lord and yet in other places in the scripture we're told where can I go from your presence if I go here if I go there if I take a ship and go out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean I can't get away from your presence. See? So we have this kind of conflict in some respects but it's this idea, these verses at this, this term presence of the Lord relates to communion and fellowship with God and his and knowledge uh, of Him. And so to believe in His presence or His isness is to have the belief that God is ever near. Right now. God is now. Remember when Moses said uh, man. Who am I going to tell Pharaoh sent me? If I go to Pharaoh, he's going to ask me, who sent you? And God says, you tell him what? I am. Tell him I am has sent you. Now, I'm inclined to think because uh, uh, of my experience as well as experience with others that Many times we read this verse, we must believe that he is, that we kind of, in our intellect, have some sense of God. You know that over 70% of the people in America believe in God? Uh, A little bit less than what I think is what is being spoken of here in Hebrews chapter 11.6. If you're going to please God you need to believe that he is that you have this sense that God is present to know the presence of God as a reality in my life not simply that God might be or that God could be or even that he absolutely is intellectually but it involves all of these dimensions, the other dimensions of faith as well. Not only the intellect, but the will, and that running out into the arms of God and saying, Lord, take it. Catch me. I'm trusting in you. That's what he means, to live in the isness of God, the living presence of God, intellectually, willfully, and emotionally in god's hands i think that's somewhat what paul meant in uh, when he said uh, let your modesty be known to everyone everyone around you the lord is at hand i don't think he just has in mind someday the lord jesus christ is coming again he says no no have that sense of communion with god live in the presence of god Hebrews 11:6 is full of present tense verbs. It's talking about a living, vital, present faith. You want to please God? Well, that's the reason why you were created. Well, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must believe that God is. I am who I am it's not what I have been or what I will be but understand that it's who I am I am there's a whole much, whole much a whole lot more to be known about just that one concept but the providence of God is secondly stated here not only that God is now, is, is here is uh, that God and I walk in concert in Walked with God. He pleased God by walking with God in the present tense. But he also had a sense that God provided, provident in the sense that to believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. The the word for reward means to remunerate for services rendered. It actually is used in other places for wages and some way one way of phrasing it is that it pleases uh, that to please god one must not only fully believe and trust and confide in a present a dimension a presentness of god but to also that we rely upon and trust in and believe in his ongoing provision that he provides We may not see how, we may never know how, but to understand that God is and that he rewards, that he is a provident God. I think we see these two elements in probably one of the best known verses in the Bible, Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. (laughs) He is my shepherd and he provides you see the presence of God and the providence of God are essential elements to faith now that brings us to the last point and that is the eagerness of faith in pleasing God he to believe that he is and also to believe that he is the rewarder of who, of who? those who diligently seek him. The word diligent, actually the two words diligently seek in the English, is but one word in the original, and it is a compound word, as many words in the original are, the root word being uh, to endeavor, to, uh, to work at something, to inquire, to search And then to that is added a prefix which means literally deeply or earnestly. And so the word that is used to describe the seeker here is a word that could be described to crave, to hunger, to hunger after God, to crave God. Um... We oftentimes use those two words in regard to food, of course. And uh, I don't know, but I suppose looking at you, that many of you have cravings from time to time. (laughs) Hunger. and, And you know how hunger can be so dominant. And so overwhelming, and that it drives our lives. That's what he's trying to describe here in regard to the earnestness and eagerness that is to be involved in our belief. It's not past part time, it's not just partial. He says to believe that God is and that He rewards those who crave Him, who hunger for Him, where they long. Isaiah, let me read a couple of verses here. You got time. <laughs> Psalm thirty-seven four. You know that. Some of you know it. You may not know where it is, but you've heard it. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. We kind of reverse it when we talk about, quote, the subject of the will of God, that somehow if we find out what he Uh, what his will is then we will choose whether or not to delight him but what what we find in this whole process begin with delighting God that's the goal it's not me it's God who needs to be delighted and then he is and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him psalm 40 and verse 8 I'm sorry uh, yeah 40 in verse 8 I delight to do your will there you have those two concepts together I delight to delight you that's basically what it is saying I delight to do your will O God yea thy laws within my heart and then of course Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Will all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Diligently seek him. And he will guide you. There's a lot more here but I'm out of time. Hezekiah. He was known in uh, Second Chronicles. It says of him... He followed God with all his heart and soul. What is oftentimes referred as the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, with all that's in you. Diligently seek him. That's the eagerness that is applied and the, uh, uh, and the uh, uh, effort that is to be applied. At a time when people have hundreds of applications on their phones and computers, seeking God is often viewed as just one of many applications to life. We have Google this and a MapQuest that, find a pizza, ask Alexa, we have apps for food and clothing and shelter. And why not have an app seek God? We'll give an hour maybe. Two hours at the most to God. But that's not how it's described in Hebrews eleven six Or in many other portions of scripture. He says, if you want to fulfill your calling. Your reason for existence. Please God. And to please God you must have faith. Faith that he is right now always in the present. And that he rewards those who diligently seek him. We need to understand that wholehearted seeking of the Lord is not just one of many possible applications in our lives, but it is meant to be the very essence of the operating system of our life. It's not just to be one of many things. It is to be the central thing. It is to be what we are about, what you're about. Everything in your life and mine should be about pleasing God. When we do that we will know the fullness of the meaning of our life. Colossians 3:17 whatsoever you do in word or deed do all to the name do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father by him. So I recommend Hebrews 11:6 for a little bit of consideration to answer the question what's it all about? Alfie what's it all about Kenny it is impossible to please God without faith anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely wholeheartedly seek him Lord thank you for your word and thank you that we are left with these solid instructions and words to put into the energy of our life. We just praise you and thank you for your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks so much, Pastor Ken. What a blessing to you have you share with us today.